Well, first of all, thank you to everyone for attending uh, this these uh, Dharma talks and for also for contributing to this uh, community, this Sangha, this monastery, this uh, 501c3, to put it. Please continue to help us if you can. Please continue to attend these talks, these Dharma talks and book studies if you're also doing that. Very important to just observe. And I was asked a question tonight uh, by is it, what is observing? Is that what you're asking about? What is looking? So if you observe or look at whatever is arising in your life, quite often, as soon as it comes up, we have ideas, we name it, we have a thought about it, we have an opinion, an, uh, an idea, a, a judgment might be just sitting right on our shoulder, ready to jump on this particular thing anytime it comes up. We never can look at that as it is. We add on several things. One is what that is, if it's valuable, if it's not valuable, and also we add on almost imperceptibly uh, the person who's looking at it or the individual. We, and we create an individual over and over again. Not only is what is looking unreal, but that which is being looked at or observed is unreal. Don't believe me. I'm not here to convince you of something. I won't convince you. I won't try to convince you particularly of anything other than you might want to train your mind rather than contribute to the confusion that's all over the place. You can go between uh, the sense fields. I sometimes call it alternating sense awareness practice. You don't have to just look at the mind stream filling you full of opinions, ideas, judgments, thoughts, hopes, and fears about this, about that, should be, shouldn't be, and so on and so forth. You could actually just feel this. You could just feel gravity. You could just hear sounds outside the building you're in. You could just see the color of whatever's in front of you. You could see if it's a rectangle or if it's a circle or if it's irregular shape. You could just register that individual consciousness. Don't maintain it. Don't hold on to it. It is about just simple word, just flashing on whatever this is. Maintain nothing. When I say maintain nothing, even your body, when I say sit down and hold still, don't maintain that stillness like is often taught, especially in the Zen tradition, but Tibetan also. Like you have to have some kind of macho attitude that you can't budge, you can't move. And in some traditions, especially the uh, Rinzai, they will yell at you if you move. Or if you blow your nose, you can't blow your nose in those areas okay? because it is about control. I'm not teaching control. I am teaching awareness. Other teachers teach different ways. It's not incorrect. Some people need to do that. Some people need to correct. And if, if they need that, they probably won't be listening to me very long. They might be going in another direction. So, what is that? What am I saying? Basically, is try to watch what is ever whatever is moving as simply as possible without laying judgment on top of it. So you actually block off the original perception of what it actually was with your ideas, your opinions, your judgments that protect you from the unpredictability of whatever that is that's showing up in the mind stream. Just like I say in book study, 
uh, I'm saying you need to study the material. You don't need to understand it. If you don't understand this, what I'm saying right here, you should ask questions about it. Because if you just let it lay there, like, well, maybe everybody else gets this, but I don't. It's just a different way of educating yourself. It's not about passing tests. There's, there's no te te test to pass. There's just this. So this is why I teach in book study when we're reading uh, the Heart Sutra, the Diamond Sutra, the Samadhi Sutra, or any other text that you need to study that and look at it. And part of the awareness practice is seeing the way you don't understand it, or possibly seeing the way it seems like someone else understands that. They're able to talk about it in a way that isn't very under, un, understandable to you. It is about awareness. It is about looking at whatever arises without doing anything with it. And what is that called? Awareness practice, meditation practice. We do it on the cushion, holding still. We do it in a, a book study. We've been doing this for years. Some texts we've studied over and over countless numbers of times. And if you think you understand something, you don't. As far as the spiritual path, the mundane path, yes. You could probably write a book on, you could write a book report, you could write a book review. And that, that will have a relative accuracy. And sometimes that relative accuracy is so incredibly amazing, poetic, or uh, balanced, or seductive, or whatever, that you can become a great writer. But that doesn't mean that you have seen the truth. It just means you're a great writer. Big difference. You can be see the truth and not be able to even talk about it in a way that uh, someone can receive that will further help them with their mind training. No guarantees of anything. Here we go back to the nose blowing. Sorry about this. I'll stop my mic. My body's annoying. Just get just irritating sometimes. So it's, it's necessary to see, to see. And the question that uh, uh, Bobby was asking is, what is it that's looking? And it's, it's a valid question. It's something I've addressed in different times. And their, their question has come, comes up now and then. What is doing the, lick, the looking or the seeing or the observing? Uh, just consciousness only. Here again, it's just another word. But it is not a separate identity. Consciousness is just amazing at its ability as a something we can refer to. It isn't even an item, let alone does it have any status as a thing like this stick does or this sound. It has no status. If it does, then it's not consciousness. It's thinking. And is that something? It forms in consciousness like a thing or an object or a category or a dynamic, or an analysis, or a conclusion, or some form of logic, or some kind of, um, um, what is that word for, it's called polygon? What is it? Yeah, algorithm. It's an algorithm that shows up in such a way that it gives us, what, some kind of a formula, or a way, or a stair step to get towards some kind of uh, object, or some kind of conclusion that we would like to bring about. Just a way of talking about it. Sitting meditation is an algorithm. Sit down, hold still, watch, observe, instead of sit down, hold still, and think about, contemplate, figure it out, calculate, which is probably what 
we all do. At least I spent several years doing that until eventually you just sit there and you just what? You just receive. If you're receiving what this is, you will not know what it is. If you know what it is, then you're not receiving. You're labeling and analyzing, concluding, evaluating, la, 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 on and on. You don't need to do that. You're actually training yourself to lead your life with your awareness, not lead your life with your paranoid thought process. I can help you there if you're interested. If I were leading my life with my paranoid thought process as I once was a number of years ago, I would, I would be frightened to death to sit in front of a, a group of people that I know are heavily judging me all the time. And are you doing that? Damn right you are. Don't disagree with me. Well, go ahead and disagree with it. And of course, sir, you can't help but project onto everything. We do this. We do this to secure what? That which is very shaky, our identity. If you really knew who you were and you were completely uh, sure of that, you, you were certain of who, who you were, no one could frighten you. No one could scare you. No one could intimidate you because there isn't anyone. Only when there's somebody is conditional in such a way that you're affected by other people's ideas, opinions, judgments, evaluations, conclusions, and book reports about you. And we do it to ourselves to try to fluff ourselves up, make ourselves better. <clears throat> so something I say quite often that is another way of looking at it, Looking at it, not just a sitting practice of meditation, not just post-meditation or your everyday life, but actually studying the Dharma. Study the 30, 30 verses of Vasubandhu and study it in such a way uh, that it is repetitive. You go back and you read that over and over. We're even doing it, several translations of it, and even studying the original uh, Sanskrit insofar as we can, since we don't speak, speak Sanskrit other than... Does anyone here speak Sanskrit other than Shisho? No. So you can disagree, you can ask questions about it, or you can, you can take this another direction if you w wish, and I will try to you know, follow you or meet you there. But it is about studying the material, not about understanding it, because if you understand what that is, then all the investigation ceases or at least slows way down, and you just start to conclude about what's right in front of you, which are your ideas and your opinions or your judgments, conclusions, and so on. I'm not saying you should try to try to stay in the dark, necessarily. But watch how the mind works. Observe how the mind grasps passion, rejects aggression, and shuts down or ignorance, passion, aggression, and ignorance provides the energy to keep in the consciousness that little ball of, uh, which looks like a fist, which is based on fear, fear of opening up, too dangerous to open up, too dangerous to just receive this world as it is. No, we have to have ideas, opinions, judgments. We have to protect ourselves. Is it wrong? No. Relatively, it's, it's correct. It's a dangerous world. So it's a, the topic is something I talk about all the time. That being said, 
have some questions, let's go there, or I can continue to talk. Does it matter what we study? Like, should we study farming? Maybe, no. You know, sorry, let's go to the word matter. What do you mean by ma does it matter? What do you mean by that? It seems that whenever you talk about not needing to understand it, it confuses me because Good. it seems like you put a lot of thought into what we study, and there seems to be a, you talk about some teachers are good teachers, these are really clear writers and really clear thinkers, but if it doesn't, if we don't need to understand it, then could we just have a book study of anything? You could. What would you suggest? Army? Basavandu. That's not just anybody. Right. And so I would too. Uh, quite a few of us here are very interested in that particular teacher and his teaching. So I'm saying it doesn't, what I'm saying, that what I'm trying to cut through there is the emphasis on trying to understand it. And instead of running into it and feeling like people who study Dogen uh, will say, ah, I, don't, I don't say it to me personally in an interview, I don't understand that. And I say, study it anyway. I've been studying it for close to half a century. I don't understand it. I don't understand it in a conventional sense where I can explain it to you. And why? Because what he is teaching, he is teaching out of both sides of his, uh, of his mouth, so to speak. He's teaching, um, out of, uh, he's teaching absolute truth and relative truth at the same time. So therefore it's, it's very difficult to track because we try to, we try to track it conventionally or relatively and we can get somewhere there, but then he, tips it on its head before we get to the end, and then he says, drop off body and mind. Well, how do you do that? Or how do you, uh, his, uh, his uh, small, the fascicle on being time is extremely difficult to understand. He's talking about two heavily loaded concepts, existence and the flow of time, which is an illusion, and he does a pretty good job at pointing to that. He takes you into the illusion, to the illusion, and if you have any, any of the, any, even the smallest shred of self-centeredness left, it will be lost. It will be confused. What I'm trying to express there is that feeling of being lost is what we need to see. We don't need to cover that up. Eventually, that comes apart. Yes, sir? It uh, seems like that feeling of being lost would only occur if I was trying to understand it. So do I need yeah. to try to understand it even if I know I can't understand it? Yes. Bingo. Yes. E ego is going to, even though I say, don't do this, do this, do this. You can't help but do it. When I say don't add, subtract, or divide, don't buy into this, don't push, don't pull, don't look away, I know you can't help it. I can't help it. It may continue, it may not. It's dependently arisen. So when that start comes, starts to come apart, what at first looked like, looked like personality characteristics that you personally have, or even defects, or even um, qualities of... Uh, uh, intelligence or something like that, all that starts to come apart. It's still there. It still has, it has its flakiness and it's the piecemeal quality of that, uh, tends to come together and try to invent or be or support uh, an individual being who is someone going somewhere with, uh, with a goal or with a destination, uh, and with, uh, post-it notes or side notes, uh, margin notes about how well they're doing. And it's very easy for the mind to, jump off from that intention to see the truth onto some kind of a sidetrack of, I think I understand this, or 
this can't be understood. This is just baloney. This is just going in circles. Those kinds of things. Be very careful of those. When I say careful, I'm just saying aware more. Is the primary purpose of the book study to connect with Sangha? The song. It's, every, it's a little bit of everything. The three jewels are the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, teacher, teaching community. All three of those are important in different amounts for different people. Some people, the, the most important thing is the teacher. For another person, a uh, teacher is important, but they're very much supported by the community of the Sangha. Other people would go the other direction. They're, the Sangha is not uh, supported. It doesn't feel supported. And someone else with the, the Dharma might study the Dharma, and even though they have amazing, to me, amazing understanding and insight, it's not conceptual because they don't have the conceptual understanding that, say, that you have or Chisho has or some other person who, who is able to um, um, hold forth uh, intellectually about some particular line or some, and some text and be able to talk about it in a way that sounds pretty amazing. Me, uh, they uh, they might feel like they're not doing so well there. It's not supportive of them. Whereas someone else uh, will be to every book study they can get to because somehow there's some kind of support happening there. So it seems like it's different with each person, and it could be different as a person who goes on the path. The very most important thing for me initially was the teacher. Without the teacher, I wouldn't have stumbled into that community. And but without the teacher uh, and my connection with the teacher. I would have left. It was very irritating to me, the Sangha. Sangha is still very irritating to me. Yeah, all you guys. Yes? A minute ago, I think you said eventually the feeling of being lost falls apart. Yes. What is it like for the feeling of being lost to fall apart? There's no one, there, there, there was never one to get lost, never anyone to get lost. You see, there never was a, an individual being. And yet this is very vivid. This is here. We're here. I'm here. There's a body here. But it's unreal. This is an illusion. Don't believe me, but consider it. When you sit face the wall, watch what moves in the mind. Watch what, watch what shows up and disappears and shows up and hangs around for a while. Notice the way it hangs around. And notice uh, as it's hanging around, notice what it's attached to. Notice what's, what it's how it's getting its... Uh, slight longevity over the other things that just show up and fade away quickly. Look at that closely. Look at it closely. Observe it until you see that what is being observed is unreal. And that which is doing the observing, what is looking, unreal. There is no, there's no looker. There's no observer. There's just consciousness only. It is only held together temporarily, moment by moment. We want to use that kind of a term with the existence of a a three-dimensional illusion called the body in a three-dimensional world, which is an illusion. And it's held together, but there's some kind of a touchstone in this body, this whole situation, the nerve endings, the eye consciousness, ear consciousness, hearing consciousness, feeling, smelling, tasting, thinking. It, the, the illusion, the way that's described in the, traditionally in the Buddha's Dharma, is the five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept of the thinking process, and the six sense fields and their objects all comes together. In, in a, it's not even a moment. It's less than that. And we just, it's just this, the same 
one who is hearing the illusion of a self is the same illusion of a self who's seeing, the same illusion of a self who's thinking, and the body-mind complex, which is quite an amazing uh, situation we take for granted, and makes it feel like we're here and we're somebody and we're alive and we're going somewhere. More? I had a question in a slightly different area. Um, in terms of the four karmas, in specific pacifying and enriching, if you're working with your own emotions, do those support the ego in different ways? So, first of all, she's asking about the four karmas, which are traditional way of talking about this, pacifying, enriching, magnetizing, and destroying, is three ways of working with energy. You start by calming things down, pacifying, and then you might start by uh, enriching it, or um, one of the uh, common example is to, uh, if you have a forest fire, you might do some back burning on it so that it doesn't have any more fuel. So there's a way of working with that, you could say psychologically, with uh, your own mind or with another person. You could also uh, enrich in that way, and you can also magnetize that energy to get it to go in another direction. And so, and then the last one is destroying, cutting this the connection that you have, walking out of the room, or, uh, albeit uh, not too uh, skillful, but you could actually end the relationship and with whatever you're dealing with in lots of different ways. But what was your question? I felt like I needed to say something about those four karmas first. As you're going, if you're working with your own emotions, yes, using those four karmas, do they do those support the ego differently? They're, they're, you're always working with your own emotions. You can't work with someone else's emotions. Those are projections. If you think you know what's happening with another person at all, you are you are um, believing. You're buying into, supporting, validating the otherness. There isn't any, there isn't anyone but you. And that's, uh, shaky. There is no other. Everything is empty of other. This is not something I invented. It's traditional teaching. Everything is empty of other. There's just, just work with this. And it will show up as other. Bound to. Just like this shows up as me over here and you guys over there. But it's unreal. If you see that it's unreal, much easier to work with than if you are trying to convince yourself it's unreal. Take one more and then I'll talk to uh, Mr. Juzan. Does working with the four karmas support the ego? Not necessarily. There, there might be a way in which that is supported. But it's not so, so much about Supportive, not supportive, that's going to happen in some way. The important thing is to be aware that something is being supportive of the ego. Not necessarily to get rid of that and stop supporting the ego. Because if we do that prematurely, then we're, when I say prematurely, before we really see clearly what it is, that it's unreal. If you see what it's unreal, you don't, the ego can't get any fuel out of that. You don't really have to do anything about it. You just have to be aware of it. It's a path of awareness, not a path of Getting better, getting smarter, getting more enlightened. More. Yeah. on. How do I see through the protection without getting rid of it? Look right at the protection without any description, any evaluation, any elaboration. Just look at the protection. 
Because if you look right at anything that is showing up in the mind, if it holds still and doesn't go anywhere, then you're probably fixated on it. You're holding it still. But if you, anything you look at, it will start to come apart because it's an illusion. It won't last. Can you remember what you did uh, two months ago on Thursday? you have any idea what you did? Well, tell me what it is. Okay, that's good. Anything else in between any of those things happened? What was it? No, we don't know. We really don't know, we, but we're good at dragging any kind of memory or any kind from 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago, dragging it in and using that to substantiate, reify, and support our what our attack on ourselves, on someone else, coming up with conclusions, ideas, why this shouldn't be, that shouldn't be. Different kinds of blame. No? Does the protection have to stay away or not show up again? <clears throat> if you see that it's unreal, that's, that's all you have to do, is just see that. That doesn't mean it won't be irritating, painful, abrasive, all kinds of other things may show up in the mind stream. But those are also unreal. Just because they're unreal doesn't mean that you don't feel them and they aren't intense. I often use a really good example in there. I'm sure there are other ones, but the example I often use is just like watching a scary movie. You, you know it's unreal, but yet it's real enough and it's uh, the invention of that movie is real enough that it, we're frightened by it somewhat. At the same time, we know it's unreal. So that's, if there's something similar happens in our life that we can see that this is what is happening is unreal, but we still have emotions around it. They still rise and fall away. Is impermanence the middle way? Is impermanence the middle way? Say more. Where are you coming with that? I guess I'm wondering if things show up and go away, and, and that shows up on this whole spectrum. Is that middle way? You could say it that way. The way you're the way you're asking the question, I would say, yeah, you could look at it that way. Nothing lasts. Things show up and go away. They show up and they go away, including your emotions and including your reactions. Everything comes and goes and comes and goes. Comes and goes. But it, fundamentally, it is uh, an illusion. There's nothing substantial there, no matter how hard you pound your knee or make a noise or yell. Um, there are a lot of teachings in Buddhism that logically can show us pretty clearly that things aren't real. Yes. What is it to see that they're not real? It's just immediate. You may need those uh, structures. You may need, uh, just like the 30 verses of Vasubandhu and other works, by not only Vasubandhu, but others that use those um, logical explanations of how this is an illusion, how this is unreal, how there is no solid being anywhere. There's just consciousness only. And even that is a little bit extra, because then we don't, what is consciousness? Well, we don't know. It's, you could say sometimes it's been called mind only. So you have an example. Is there a particular one that you is that you think is helpful to you? 
way of peaking that yes. um, the chariot example comes up. Hunter Kirti's chariot mm-hmm. example. Can you say something about it? Um, going. I don't remember each like permutation of it. There's seven, I think, but just how a chariot isn't parts of the sum of the parts and like the the chariot wheel is not the chariot. Yeah. And that, what other part? I don't remember what the chariot is. Well think about it. Think about a little bit. The, the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a better name than the box. I'm sure it isn't the vestibule. <laughs> no. <laughs> the concor- the concourse. The 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 area that where the guy stands to get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. All those parts, not not out single one of those parts. Uh, is a chariot, but when you put them all together, it's a chariot. Very similar with the traditional teaching of the of the five skandhas: form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. You can't find a self in any one of those. Self isn't in the body. It is in feeling. It isn't in perception. It isn't in uh, conceptual mind or thinking process, and it isn't in any of the six sense fields, including your mind. You can't locate an identity there. Is that helpful? If anyone on Zoom has a question. Yes, I have a question. Go ahead. Hi. Um, does the illusion have a purpose? Purpose is uh, an invention of the, of the materialistic world, the self-centered world. And it's not that there aren't purposes. We have a purpose of uh, getting a degree so we can have a job. And so, so yes, there's uh, quite a bit going on in that way. But uh, the illusion having a purpose, is that what you're specifically? Yeah. That's right. The illusion having a purpose, yeah. I don't know. What do you, how does it look to you? Do you think it does? You've had a, that's a good question. Yeah, because like sometimes when I look at something and I get such a strong response, it feels like it's, there's a reason for that response. It's connected to something greater, even though everything is an illusion. Why is it facilitating such a, strong emotional, psychological, sensual response. So, the, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm following you. So I, I sometimes say, uh, why questions lead you in circles? The best question to, uh, is to say, what is this? And, and do that facing a wall, do that when something shows up in a, a studying the Dharma. What is that that I'm perplexed by? And so in the same thing, what is an illusion? That might be a better contemplation mm-hmm. for you or for anybody rather than go into some kind of way of figuring it out. Why, 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 why? Always uh, ends up with because, 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 because we are in the middle of an incredible avalanche that has a singularity that looks like a specific moment. And actually, the, the, this moment is not separate from any other so-called moment. But if you don't see that, see that, then you will have some kind of attribution that will reinforce the self-centeredness, reinforce the ego, reinforce uh, your uh, purpose for doing this or your purpose for doing that. So I would say purpose is just an invention uh, that is there to what? Control people. Mm-hmm. You have no purpose. Uh, you're just, it's just this. Uh, the, the bodhisattva or the path of the Mayan, uh, is to save all beings. Of course, there aren't any beings. So it's a little bit of a uh, trick, but you have to realize that and you have to go into that yourself and see it yourself here. There's no one here. There's no one there. And it's a realization. It's not a conclusion. 
It's not an experience. You may have some experiential things that show up that make you think you're starting to become enlightened. Um, fat chance that you're going to become enlightened out of that. That being said, what is uh, the way I would uh, like to say it, and it's a very relative way of saying it, it's seeing that you're covering something up and you just, by watching that cover up, that starts to come apart and eventually you see what you've been covering up and that is your true nature, your enlightened nature, which transcends this world if you continue to talk about it relatively, but has, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't have a, an existence in the same way that this does, or this hand, or this voice, or anything that you're hearing right now. Those are all relative. You don't have to be imprisoned by your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts, your opinions, your judgments, your prejudice. You can see through those. You can do that with the sitting practice of meditation. Maybe some support from a teacher, some support from a teaching, and some support from a community that uh, that is all about making this a big priority in our lives, not just getting rich and getting famous or thank you. winning the lottery. Anything else, Christopher? No, thank you so much. Thank you. Sir, thank you. Yes, sir. When, when we're watching the mind stream and, it's, and we're seeing how it's impermanent, the things are changing, is that us seeing how it's unreal? Well, maybe. You think it is? I'm not sure. I, I just don't know what. What is it you want to know rather than go with the question? What do you want to know? What does it mean that this isn't real? It's just a conceptual way of saying, of pointing to something that is already the case. You're, you're looking at it. You just project on your ideas, your conclusions, your opinions, your judgments, rather than seeing what it is. If you see what it is, it's no big deal. It's hardly anything at all. It's ordinary. And you, you suddenly realize your true nature. And you realize the true nature of everything. There isn't anything else but this. And even this is suspect. Always open. Always. It's not always going to be the case. You can't find anything. It's always going to be the case. Sanho. If we were to become enlightened, would we, would we know it? Well, if we were to become enlightened, would we know it? No. There isn't anyone left. If you're enlightened, there isn't anyone. So you can't, you can't possibly know you're enlightened. I mean, occasionally I might have been asked a question. Uh, it depends on who asks me. Are you enlightened? I, generally, I will say, I don't know. Or what do you mean by enlightenment? And I'll say, well, I mean, you're really important. You have golden skin and your light is coming out of your ears. Uh, but I'm saying you can't, you, enlightenment is not a, a state of being. It's not a, something you graduate to. Uh, it just basically means that you're awake to your true nature, which is uh, not separate from what the Buddha saw. Not the historical guy. He's gone. He died. He went back into the elements, supposedly. But what he saw is right here. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as uh, fresh baked bread. It's right here. You actually do it moment by moment. You see what this is. It's not the same because that's a very strong relative idea. It's like that. It's like you're right. There isn't anything but this. There is no past or future. Even though you might have a memory about what happened 20 minutes ago or three days ago or when you were down to mix hardware, picking up an application for credit. Remember that? What's the difference between that and this? You think there is a difference? What does it look like? 
it, it feels like this body is actually responding to something that it senses right now up in front of me. Okay. So what was happening at Nick's Hardware? When that was happening, I would describe it the same way. Okay. <clears throat> so there's no difference between what's happening here and what happened at Nick's Hardware. Is that true? Well, you're enlightened. <laughs> Anytime you conclude anything, anything, you've just, you've just shut down your Buddha nature. Don't conclude. Don't exclude. Make no move. Don't add, subtract, divide. You have to actually do this if you don't. And, and I have to use relative words. Those of you who are, um, really intelligent, which probably everybody here is pretty intelligent, you could actually take issue with what I'm saying, because I'm lying to you all the time. I have to in order to communicate what I'm looking at. I can't tell you the truth. There is no, there is no truth that can be expressed in words. Even though poets try to do that, musicians try to do it, sense something ultimately deeply true about being a living being. You could call it love. You could call it ambergris. You could call it Cardinal Mendoza, remember him? There's no such person. They just made him up. That's why it's hard to remember that. So why did you even try? Did you try? No, you didn't. So why did you say no? <laughs> it's a labyrinth of circularity. If you get caught in this, and especially if you talk to somebody who is uh, highly skilled at talking in circles, usually they're politicians, uh, but sometimes they're have their sometimes they're monks, sometimes they're um, other people. Don't conclude. Just receive, 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 receive. This is the mudra you need. Receive this incredible world. When you get up in the morning, receive the discomfort you're going through. When you get when you go to bed at night, receive that you're sleepy. Receive that you have a bed to sleep in. Hopefully, receive this. Receive when someone takes issue with you or criticizes you, please, please just receive. There is no enemy anywhere. There is no enemy. You project enemy on people because this difficulty here gets so incredibly painful that we cannot handle it anymore. So we have to find somewhere to some someone else or some situation to download on. Spend a lot of time in front of the wall. Spend a lot of time Sit down wholesale, sit symmetrical, have all your senses open, in particular the eyes, look at the wall and watch what moves in the mind stream and, and train yourself to see what this is without any outflows, without any expression out of it. That doesn't mean you can't get up off the cushion and start um, put on some music and dance, or you can't go out of the kitchen and wash dishes or have a disagreement with somebody about uh, how often you should the lawn should be mowed. You're still, you're liberated. You can actually do all of this. You can participate in it, but it's unreal. Much easier to participate in this hallucination if uh, it's completely unreal. Go ahead. If, if we can see what this is for ourselves, how come we can't know it? Well, there's a, there's a kind of knowing, but it's a not knowing. Knowing, the Sanskrit word is jnan. Uh, which means wisdom. So wisdom is, the I would translate wisdom uh, to, or, or nyan, to our language. I, I would say it would be sanity, just you're no longer at war with anything. You're not, you're not crazy. You're not fighting with anything. 
even the worst situation coming up, you understand the deep suffering that people bring are covering up by their anger towards you. This is what's happening all over the world. People do not like to feel bad, suffer. So the Buddha came along and said, life is suffering. Contemplate that. As a Buddhist monk, you should be contemplating the Four Noble Truths, suffering, the cause, the goal, and the path. Beyond knowing, how does the negativity in here get laminated and everything out there? Fear. Fear. You have negativity here, and you can get rid of it. And the negativity that shows up is quite often is covering up some kind of basic uh, paranoia or fear that something else is going to get you or control you or take your freedom away, on and on and on. Like we could all chip in on this and come up with a word completely different. Some kind of threat is there. So one of the ways you can keep the threat, the threat at bay is to reinforce the self-centeredness that is safe. Be, be safe and be keep it a distance. There's all kinds of ways of, of dealing with this. Not just meditation, as I talked about on Sunday. Not just meditation. Uh, there are other ways. There, there, there's no, there, nothing is better than anything else. If you have think somehow that I think meditation is better than therapy, I want to correct you right now. That's a misunderstanding. It's different. So you may, you may have to do uh, ayahuasca. You may have to go on a trip to Greece. You may, you may, you may. There's no, there's nothing to correct here. This is a, we are in the middle of an incredible avalanche of reality called Prachita Samutpada. That's the fancy word for everything is dependent on arisen. Nothing comes from its own side. But the illusion is something started here and it's going there. And we're a little bright line in the middle of it called right now. If you see the entire thing, <laughs> there's no praise, no blame. You can't find anything that's the direct cause of anything else. You cannot find the source of anything. If you find the source of something, um, uh, let's see, what can I say? You're wrong. How's that? It's not that you aren't relatively correct. You might relatively find some kind of understanding of the source, which is um, quantum physicists are, are working on this right and left to try to see who can get to the who can get to the set of binoculars first. What are those binoculars? The ones that look back at this. As long as there's a search, there won't be a discovery. That's why when we sit down and face the law, we are receiving. As Papaji, the great Indian teacher of the last century said, give up the search. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Yes. What do I say? I don't say give up the search. What do I say? What would I say? I might say keep going, <laughs> or I might say just be aware that you're searching. It's awareness, awareness, awareness is what's important here, not any conclusion, nothing else more. Do you know, I'm thinking about how I can become quite impatient with myself. I become quite impatient with just projections, and that it's like that's all I can see sometimes, and I... 
I want to see the fear. I want to see what you're talking about that's beyond it. And with that impatience, is there anything that I can do? I'm pretty biased in this area. This is why we have a monastery. It's why together we've created this monastery. I didn't just create this and invite people to come. We did it together. You are, you've been here for years. You saw, you've watched how this has come together as, as a place where people can come and train their minds with the support of maybe not people they particularly like all that well, but people who have a similar intention to see the truth. They want to see this. They're inspired by the Buddha's teaching. They're inspired by the sutras. They're inspired by Suzuki Roshi or Dalai Lama or possibly by this person or by something else they've read and they, they want to check this out. See if, see if this is helpful to sit down, hold still and do something that has been happening in different cultures for 2,500 years based on something one particular person saw. Lots of other people have seen that, but his, it was his karma to be the Buddha. So all you have to do, simply put, is continue, return to those, find a way to return to those, return to the Buddha on that wall, return to the Dharma on the wall, return to the Sangha on the wall. Just receive. Receive until there's no receiver and nothing left to receive. Where does the damn thing out? Can you do that? Find out. I won't guarantee anything. Is there a question on uh, Mahesh? Do you have a question? Mahesh um, So when when we have uh, disagreements with uh, other people, and uh, one of us has to compromise, and uh, it can be difficult whoever is compromising. So what does the teachings say as as a practitioner? Should I try to compromise and take the difficulty, or uh, or look at both sides or bowing. Yes, compromise. But do it situationally. Work with the person who's uh, having difficulty with the person. Talk to the person about it. In in this uh, uh, context of, of monks and uh, practitioners and lay ordained uh, monastery residents or practitioners, I encourage people to sit down on chairs or on cross legged or however, look at the other person in the eyes for 30 seconds and then maybe bow uh, and then discuss, talk back and forth about the misunderstanding to try to see if we can't, uh, what, CCC, communicate, cooperate and collaborate so we can work on this together. All of us are uh, <clears throat> all of our lives are and our minds are complicated and qualified by different kinds of things in the mind stream call it karma call it a predisposition to anytime you get threatened to get angry anytime you get threatened to get apologetic and and uh, backing away from things or to just shut down just as if nothing's happening you look at those three passion aggression and ignorance and you can quite often if you're in a relationship with somebody even if it's just for short intervals, you can kind of see that people will usually go one of those three directions in order to to deal with what I was showing. Anger or irritation or passion or explanation, justification or blaming and ignoring or changing the subject, going to something else. 
or just looking at you, but they're just gone. They're they're somewhere else. Go ahead, Mahesh. <clears throat> um, so whenever these situations come, um, I try to like um, compromise, uh, understanding the vow to free all beings. But then uh, later on, uh, uh, it, it can get difficult or it can uh, become like a... I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, uh, logically right thing or not, uh, by compromising every time instead of talking about the situation to the other person and trying to make an even case of... What's your thinking. question? What's your question? You're talking a lot. What is your question? Yeah, so is, is it uh, right... Uh, just uh, I'm understanding the vow to free all beings correctly if I when I try to compromise every time. Bowen. So you may want to do something even more radical than that is stop talking. Just listen. Talk if the per other person that you're talking to, whether it's your your partner, your business partner, or your spouse, or your whomever else it is, um, if they stop talking, then ask them how are they doing? How is this looking to you? Have some inquisitiveness about it and put them first. Put other people, other people before yourself. That's very difficult to do. Even with somebody who's kind and friendly and cooperative, it's hard to do. Especially if you think they're, you know, screwed up or misunderstanding things that you understand very clearly. You receive. Just receive. Just like you receive looking at the wall. You receive when someone else is talking. Listen. And not just to what they're saying. Listen to the, watch the tone of voice go up and down. Don't conclude anything from that. Don't psychologize the whole thing. Have a willingness to not know. K-N-O-T, K-N-O-W, not know. Go ahead, correct me, I dare you. Uh, my point. Uh, You're going to correct me? <laughs> Uh, I'm saying no, there's nothing to add. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome, but thank you for asking about that. And I would like to emphasize that it, it is possible to talk with somebody and, and, and allow them to run out of steam in your direction. How, how is this going? How, how do you understand this? I see we have some confusion here, misunderstanding, not compromise and, and bring that out so that the person can actually express themselves. You might find the whole thing just starts to come apart. The only way you can keep a war going is to fight with somebody or go to peace or to go to uh, when somebody wants to fight, receive. Don't go to peace. Don't, don't be artificial about it. Let them fight. Allow them to fight. You can say it that way. Coming back to your question, yes, compromise. Yes. If we let someone run out of steam when talking to us, it can feel awkward or self-conscious. How is it helpful to the other person to let that awkwardness arise? It's helpful to you. You need to train this mind. You don't have to be too concerned with the other mind other than just be respectful to them. Respect their confusion and their clarity. Confusion and clarity are not two different things. It just looks like it. It looks intensely like it, and the world will rip itself apart over those two polarities. 
What did the Buddha see? The Buddha saw confusion. He saw delusion. That was his awakening. And if you see, if you see it completely, totally, all the way through, the confusion about a separate self, the confusion about a separate other, you're liberated. And what is liberated? There was no liberation. You just stop separating yourself from the world, from, from yourself into some separate individual being somewhere that is either right or wrong or is living or dying. Go ahead. How is it helpful to me to let someone run out of steam? Because you're there with them. Just be with all things. Be with everyone. Be with everyone. Just be with everyone. Even though there are no separate beings, you eventually see that everywhere you look, you see yourself. You don't see, you don't stop seeing separate beings, of course. It might even be more vivid, the separations. But you fundamentally see you're not separate from everybody. When someone's suffering, you're suffering. Someone else is happy, you're happy. Not separate, not separate. More about it if you have it. How is it being with someone else if all I see is my own self? Self-consciousness. That's it. That's how it's done. See your own self-consciousness. Gratitude. Gratitude for that. Gratitude to that other person, even though that that other person is a projection of your own mind. There is no, there are no separate beings anywhere. Don't believe anything I say. Consider it. Reflect on it. If it seems to resonate with you in some way, then you'd be valuable. It's basically the vow that you've received quite a number of years ago to be with all things, save all beings, put others before yourself. It can be exhausting to do that. What else are you going to do with your life? That's a rhetorical question you don't have to answer. Yeah, you do. Go ahead. What else are you going to do? Bake stuff? Make cookies? You can do it. You're already doing it. Just continue, continue. Don't give up. Is there a final question from anyone? About Go ahead, Naveed. Um, is everything okay as it is? Yes. Um, yes, there's nothing to fix. So if, uh, everything, so if <clears throat> everything is okay as it is, what is there to look at or observe? Bowing. There isn't anything to look at or observe. What are you doing here? Just here to listen to you. Okay. Well, I'm listening to you. Well, it's a mutual thing. I, it's, it's a complete mystery. The whole thing is a mystery. But if you see what this is, no more war. No more fighting with anybody. Everybody is doing the best they can to do what? Be happy. And some people have some very strange ways of accomplishing that. 
up to and including torturing others. Yes, there really isn't anything to do. Um, Mahesh, Mahesh, you have a you have several other um, questions. Mahesh, I have a different question. So, on the day when you have seen through the illusion of self and uh, the world, the day after, uh, or what did two you days. do differently? Ask two days, or, three days. Not that's the yeah. same day. Whenever, oh, whenever afterwards. Afterwards, what did you do differently? What did you stop doing? What did you start doing? Bowing. I started, uh, what did I start doing? Were you there that day I awoke? <laughs> what the hell did I do? I don't know. Nothing ever, nothing has ever happened. This is a hard part to convey to people because it, this just can't be true. It can't be that nothing has ever happened. Nothing happened. Nothing has occurred. The occurrences have stopped. So therefore, there's no past, no future. It's not some kind of a bragging point. I'm this uh, interesting fellow who no longer has a past and a future. That's true of you also. You invent your past and future so that you can do stuff. So it's, there's no, I, I, I think I understand what you're asking about, but there's no experience there, Mahesh. If there were, I would say something I really don't know. But I don't have an event. There's no... There's no situation in 19-whatever, or 20-21, or 30-24. There's no time when suddenly I realize something. Nothing happens. Nothing occurs. It's not an experience. It's very experiential. Very, very experiential. But there's no person who has an experience. Because the very nature of a realization is realizing there never was a solid being, there's a body here, there's bodies there. And there never was a solid other, other. There's bodies there, there's buildings, there's people killing each other, bombing each other. It's an incredible landslide that has been is being propelled by passion, aggression, ignorance, hatred, envy, greed, extreme narcissism. And it cannot be fixed. But if you, if you, if you want to work with this, if this whole world is frustrating you, find the aggression that's here. Find Work with this aggression first rather than trying to stop the aggression out there. Because that just creates more warfare. I'm sure you've noticed. If you want to get attacked, carry a protest sign. Go ahead. Yo, bowing question on YouTube from Thomas in the UK. What is it about others being angry with us that is frightening? Well, they might be right. And what if they're right? They have a right to be angry with us. That's what's frightening. But they can't be right because there, there is no other. The fundamental, that's why it's so important to understand this yourself, not just go into why people are frightened. I mean, we can discuss that because of belief in a self and belief in another. That's why it's frightening. That's why it's difficult when someone's angry with us. If you don't know who you are, then you get your idea, your identity, your meaning from so-called what? Others. And if you're getting it from others, you might, you might get the identity uh, in such a way that you actually have to uh, project onto them and fight with them, even though they're not doing anything to you. They, they might just be looking at you askance and suddenly 
you need to fight them because they are triggering the negativity that is in your mind stream that you're not willing to be responsible for. Be responsible for your emotions. No one's pouring any emotions into you. If you have any kind of negativity at all, it is yours. I'm not saying that that Ed or Ernie or Mary or Sue didn't come along and forget to empty the trash or empty the trash right on top of your car or what any number of things that are a causation. You can go into relative truth and find a justification for any kind of feeling you have. It's just that it's the mundane path and it is... Uh, when it's not in circles, it's at a dead end, and that might be more dead than you want to look at. But if you see what this is fundamentally, then you see the incredible suffering that is behind anybody's actions, including triggering you to go this or do this way or that way. People are suffering. You're suffering. I'm suffering. Everything is suffering. You can't get away from suffering. First noble truth of the Buddha maybe the most important of all of them. Suffering won't go away, but one may see that there never was a sufferer. Hi, my name is Sokuren, and I'm one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks, and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is, and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at sokukoji.org. Thank you.